Wow, it must be, uh, must be really nice to have such an outstanding worship team every week, huh? Wow, man. Will, Micah, Ben. I didn't meet our guitarist here. What's your name? Sean. Wow. Awesome. Man, that's great to be able to, um, uh, to have this type of team every week. And I know some of you are going, yeah, but who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, well, my name is Clay, Clay Holcomb. Um, this is my wife, Leanne, and um, she's taking a picture of me now. I, I have her do that like once a day, take a picture of me, you know, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. I couldn't resist saying something dumb like that. Um, no, I work with the North American Mission Board, and so I get to work, and I work with church planters in Portland and Seattle and all across the United States, in fact, and get a chance to um, support them, train them, coach them, and all that. And I'm, I've been doing Portland for about six years now, and just recently started to uh, serve up here in Seattle. Have known Daniel and Stephanie for a while, just relationally. And then, but then just here in the last uh, month or so, have had responsibility up here in Seattle. So I was talking with my good friend Daniel, and I was saying, hey, man, I'm going to be up there, and I'd love to come worship with you guys. And, and I knew Stephanie was close, because I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and he's like any day now. And, um, and so I knew it was close, and he said, no, nah, still no baby. So I told him, I guess it was Thursday, I said, well, I'm, I'm going to be up there, you know. So if anything happens... Uh, we have four kids, so I know stuff happens. And uh, so anyway, long story short, Saturday morning, about 7 o'clock, I got a text. I said, hey, Clay, you still in? I'm so like, I'm in, man. I am in. So um, I'm grateful to be here and um, grateful that baby Avery was born and uh, Stephanie's doing well. And um, man, that's just exciting. And just exciting to see what God's doing here in this church. And I, I met Daniel and Stephanie um, before you guys ever started this church, you know, and I know some of you with them being from the area, you probably know them for a long time, but, um, I knew them before this church, before the church existed and while they were still dreaming and still trying to go, wow, should we do this or not? Um, and I remember walking away from that weekend and being, and I'm not just saying this cause I'm here. I mean this sincerely. My wife can tell you being so impressed with them. And so impressed with what God was doing with them, with them as a couple, with just all these amazing things. Um, and, you know, and so I'm, I'm grateful to be able to be here today, to be able to serve with you guys and serve with them and help them in this great time. Um, so it is a, it's a good, good day to so have great ministry leadership team, great worship team. Um, and, you know, his brother here, who just, it just messed with me because I saw him back there. And you guys already know this, how much they look alike. And, I, and I'm standing up here talking to Will, and I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm a little distracted. I'm like, I know he did not show up the day after his baby was born to church. <laughs> Shaved his head to act like we don't know who he is, you know. But I know that is not Daniel. So sure enough, it wasn't. But, um, well, I, I'm grateful to be able to share with you this morning. And, um, you know, I... I what I want to do this morning is just share with you, I don't know what series or any, if, if you've been in any, anything like that, but I want to just speak some words of, 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 of exhortation and encouragement that I know no matter where you are, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, um, that if you'll begin to put these things into your life or to see these things grow, I promise you that you'll see growth and maturity no matter, no matter where you are, because it's kind of like... You know, growing in our faith, sometimes we can, we can overcomplicate it. 
You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we, we can overcomplicate it. And, and there are absolutely things in, in our faith that are, that are deep, that are mysterious, that are hard to understand, and that, that exists totally. But sometimes growing in our faith, we can sit there and wring our hands and go, oh, I just want to get closer to God. I don't want to do it. I just, you know, oh, like it's a big strainful thing. Sometimes it's sort of like working out and getting in shape. We kind of like, I don't really know how to do it. It's like, it's not really that hard. It's probably more like, I'm just not sure I want to do it, right? I mean, if we eat a little better, move a little more, drink water, sleep better, probably going to be healthier, right? Not that, and we all kind of know that. We're like, some of you look at me like, yeah, we were friends until you started talking about <laughs> eating better. You know, now, not sure where we are with that. But, well, one of the things that I know um, that will help every one of us as believers to grow in our faith is if we just grow in our prayer life. We grow in our, in our just spending time with the Father. Um, there's a couple other areas that um, I'm helping walk a church through right now, which is study of the Bible, prayer, I mean the second one, uh, giving of ourselves, and telling people about Jesus. Those are four what we were, what I would call pillars. And so today I just want to talk to you about the pillar of, of prayer. And if you and I will grow in our prayer life, I promise you, we'll grow in, in our faith. Things will, th- things will happen in our life. You know, you'll, you'll get closer to God. One of the cool things, I'm 45 years old. Um, and, uh, we have four children, two of our kids are in college and, uh, one in high school, one in middle school. I know my wife doesn't look like she'd have college kids because she's young and beautiful. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, but, uh, four kids. And, um, one of the things that my kids will not know to the same degree that I know, they do know it a little bit is the joy, and some of you 20s and unders, you're just going to be like, joy, right? Uh, the joy of getting a, a letter in the mail, like not with the automated pre-sorted post, I mean like written to you, amen? You know what I'm talking about? To me, you know what I mean? You get a you know, letter in the mail, you're like, this is for me, you know, open it up and whatever. Um, you don't get that so much anymore. I mean, now... I, I have to confess, uh, I'm 45, and I'm still obsessed with going to the mailbox every day. I just, it's my thing. I mean, I, they can tell you. I mean, they make fun of me. Like, I have, I have about five, <laughs> I hadn't thought about this until now. I have about five mail keys, okay? Um, and I have, you know, gone down to Home Depot, and I'll, I'll have spare keys, and I have a key for the truck, and a key for the office, and a key for the house, and a key for the van, and a key for the car. I mean, I've got all these, uh, and a spare key to keep in my pocket, because, I mean, I'm, you never know when I might have to go to the mailbox, right? I'm, it's a big deal to me, going to the mailbox. And so every day, it's kind of like a coffee break for me, and I go to the mailbox, and, you know, usually they just kind of let me putter on my little old man way and go down to the, you know, make my, uh, shuffle my feet down to the mailbox, I suppose. But um, every once in a while, they'll make a comment, you know, making fun of me about going to the mailbox. And, 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 I, and I have to admit, most of the time when I go to the mailbox, I come back with a handful of stuff that I do what? Just drop right in the recycling bin or the trash. I mean, it's, it's sad. But it didn't used to be that way, folks, okay? Didn't used to be that way. We used to get real mail, all right? Except if you lived in the town of Vicenza in northern Italy, I read a story um, here just recently. The uh, they started to get suspicious 
about mail not being delivered, and you know, there's several years of something, and and the same the same route, the same guy. So they finally went to this guy's house, one of their one of their uh, one of their postmen in northern Italy. They found forty three thousand pounds of undelivered mail in this guy's garage, still in the bins that it had been given to him in. You know, the mail guys get the the bins and they go, you know, and some he just took and put unopened, not anything. I mean, some sort of obsession about keeping hold of this mail. They had mail dating back to 2010 and people had just never got, not important stuff. I I don't even know what it was, but it had never it never got there, and so I guess they arrested the guy, and the post office assured the people, we will deliver every piece of, and people are going, you know, they're going, oh, please don't, okay, please don't. We do not need um, all that leftover mail, but sometimes when you, when you, you know, when you send something off, uh, you hope it gets there. You hope, you, now we can track things. We know it's good. The cool thing is about walking with Christ, having a relationship with our Father, you and I can always know, you can always be assured that the communication lines with the Father is clear. You can always be assured that he is waiting to hear from you and me, and he is waiting to communicate with us as well. There's no chance of you praying and it getting lost somewhere or some guy putting it over here in the garage in Italy, something that's not going to happen. Your connection with with the Lord um, always has the capacity to be vibrant and alive. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. We're going to look at, uh, this is an expression that the writer is, is, uh, is sharing with us about, he's really describing in quite vivid detail what it's like to be in fellowship with God, to actually interact with God in regarding to our, our sins, our iniquities, confession, what it does for us, and then what, it, what, hap- well, what the sin does for us, and then what happens as we release that to God, as we confess that to God, as we fellowship and commune with God in a way that's consistent. He describes it in such a vivid way because, and I think it's, it's re- you're going to find it's relevant for us because a lot of us we're dealing with things in our life. We're dealing with, you know, uh, stresses, worries, frustrations, things like that. And, and, and a great many of them, the solution is not, excuse me, is not a, a solution to the problem itself. That's not really the solution. For many of us, the solution is surrendering these things to the Lord, surrendering our failures, surrendering our sins, surrendering these things to the Lord so that God can work in us in a way that frees us up. And I think when you look and see what the writer writes here and how he describes it, I think you're going to find something um, very meaningful. Psalm 32, verse 1 said, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no Deceit. Let's just stop right there. He's writing about, obviously, people who have, he's every one of us, people who have sin in our lives, who have failures, who have transgressions. He, he uses some interesting words there. He uses the term transgressions. He uses the term iniquity. And they're very, they're, you and I could probably use those interchangeably. We would, we would just say interchangeably one or the other, but they have different they have different meanings. Obviously, that's why he uses them. 
When he's talking about transgression, transgression indicates a violation of a law. So established standards that we are in violation of. Where when you get to iniquity, you're talking about a moral distortion. So think of iniquity. Think of it like this. Take one word in iniquity. Take, replace the second I with an E, and that gives you maybe a little more vivid description from iniquity to inequity. I don't mean like a social inequity, but I mean some sort of an imbalance in the way things are supposed to be. So iniquity is a moral distortion, whereas transgression is a violation of the law. Now, I want to I bring out three things this morning just for us to, to grab hold of and, and to know that we can um, surrender to the Lord. But it comes in the form of understanding what these type of things do to us. The first thing is, and we see this right here in verse 1, is that transgression and iniquity, when we, when we keep those deep in our heart and we don't surrender those to the Lord, we don't, we don't fellowship with God, we don't confess those things to the Lord, the first thing that I want us to understand that they do is they isolate us. They isolate us. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Excuse me. Transgression, remember what he said? It's a violation of the law. Now, I don't know if anybody in this church has ever violated the law, Okay. I know people in other churches will have done that before. I know people in other churches have, have, have had speeding tickets and have missed jury duty like I did last month. <laughs> Just saying, I did. I, 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 one day I walked in. It was one of those things. I had a friend tell me, I got jury duty today. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> I had jury duty last month. <laughs> and I'm like... Uh, so I told my kids, I said, all right, okay, guys, I mean, if the feds come for me, I'm just, I'm sorry. It wasn't intentional, okay? It was a sin of omission, all right? I don't know. Uh, hopefully, it was one of those where you call and nobody, I, I don't know. I'm just being honest with you. Violation of the law. So maybe nobody, maybe none of you have ever violated a law. I'm just going to, I'm going to talk about other people who have violated laws, right? Amen, yeah, right? Right. So when you violate a law, you know, whenever a law is violated, one of the things that you want to do, most people, is they want to hide, right? They want, they want to keep that from somebody. They, might, they want to, um, uh, you know, they want to act like it didn't happen or cover it up or whatever it may be. I mean, you think about when those, when those sirens come running up behind your car, you know, what, what do we do? We, I, I, probably not any of us goes, hey, well, I'm fine, man. I'm going to keep driving. I don't care. Every one of us, we're looking around and making sure everything's in place, watching the speed, slowing down unreasonably slow at that point, you know, uh, because the tendency is when you violate a law, the tendency is to, is to hide, is to, is to protect yourself. And what that does, though, unfortunately, when we do that with the Lord, when we do that in, in our spiritual lives, that it isolates us. And we become more and more walled off. We become more and more protective of, of our own heart, of our own soul. And, 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 we, and we find ourselves pushing ourselves further and further away from the Lord because we're doing a couple things. First of all, you have the violation itself. But the second thing is, is then what, we, what oftentimes we begin to do is we begin to create a different narrative about usually about how, you know, my life is, this is really okay, and, and I'm, you know, this is not that bad, it's all right, I've actually talked to God about it, and he's cool with it, you know, we kind of 
create this other story that pushes us further and further away from what our heart is really saying that, that we need to do. And it isolates us. And before too long, we've created another narrative, created another story in our own heart and our own mind that has got us so isolated that we don't even know the truth anymore. And many times it starts from transgression and not wanting to deal with those things. And that's why it's always, it's, it's always wise to deal with transgression quickly, whether it's with the Lord or with, a, with, a, with another, another person. Um, because if not, it's a dangerous thing to settle into a normal life that's isolated. That's a dangerous position. And some of you, you know, you know what that feels like. You've been there. Whether it be through some, you know, uh, broken relationship or something of shame or whatever it may be, the longer that it stays hidden, it feels like we're protecting ourselves. The truth is we're just, we're just creating a trap for ourselves more and more. And some of you know exactly how that feels. And what the writer is trying to show with us today is that, look, it actually harms us and, and really destroys us from the inside out. But there's, but there's hope. Verse 2, he describes another thing. He says, he says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose, in whose spirit <clears throat> there is no uh, deceit. The second thing is, it, it, this, kind of, this kind of harboring of, of sin and lack of confession, it, um, it, it, it isolates us but it also distorts us. So he says there, he says, <clears throat> the man who counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Remember that, that, that narrative, that false narrative that we, we create to say, hey, this is really okay. I, I'm, I'm good. God, God even told me this. You know, I, I feel like God, God is okay with this. And everybody around us is going, really? Okay. Well, I can't really argue with you and God, but if you say so, and that's the thing, nobody can. And, and when we get to that point, when we start saying, well, well God, God is okay with this, and we don't really know if God is okay with this, then we begin to distort the truth. And that's when we even begin to roll into the, into the uh, category of iniquity, where we begin to kind of distort how things really are. And, and all the while, you see what's happening? The more we begin to try to justify the things in our life that aren't, that aren't lining up with God, what we're doing is we're not getting stronger. We're not getting more okay with it. We're not growing in maturity and whatnot. What we're doing is, is we're contorting ourselves to the point that we, we really can't. We, we've, we've exerted so much effort in why this is okay and why my life is fine. We've, we've almost distorted ourselves to the point that we can't function normally. And, and we're going to see... In, in just a few minutes here in, in the next verses of kind of what it does to our heart and what it does to our soul. And for some of us today, some of the things that you and I might be struggling with that we feel like, oh, I'm always stressed. I'm always, I'm always angry. I'm always tired. I'm always, you know what? It may be God's grace and mercy that's saying, hey, let's, let's just kind of peer down into the world that we may have created. And, and let's ask, is there some stuff that's deep down in our souls, some things that are, that are undealt with, unrepented of, unconfessed, untalked about, that God might be saying, Look, this is really what's causing you the problem. This is really the issue. Uh, <clears throat> 45 now, and I, like a lot of men of my age, <clears throat> I'm pretty good at falling asleep wherever I need to. Amen? Some of you older guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I got that. I, I'm good with that. Uh, but here's the thing. So, in we have uh, we have some relatively new furniture in the house. It's it's actually a lot better for couch sleeping now, like you know recliners and all that. But I've learned that if if I fall asleep in certain chairs and in certain positions, like it's comfortable for me to fall asleep, you know, in a recliner with my hands like this. But I know this: if I fall asleep like this, after about 15 minutes, and I wake up, I cannot even move, right? And my hands are like, it's like the bones are just kind of going, you know, and then it's like Frankenstein stepping off the table, you know, like this, you know, I can't, you know, everything is just doesn't flow like it, like it used to. Uh, we actually got a couple of months, almost a year ago now, we made fun of a guy. I have to confess that. Here's a confession for you, okay? Some of you are like, ooh. <laughs> um, we would make fun of the My Pillow commercial. You know the My Pillow commercial, the guy that gets on from Minnesota? Yeah, we would make fun of that like a lot. <laughs> like it would come on, and uh, me and my 16 year old son, who's really mouthy, I mean, he's just like really witty and all that. I mean, we would make fun of it, all this kind of stuff. If you're related to them, this is, has a good ending. And, but then they came to Costco. And so we're walking over there, and I'm taking pictures and sending them to my son. I'm like, hey, look at my pillow, you know, whatever. And, and, uh, and, we're, and then we're like fluffing them up. We're like, hey, uh, I don't know. This feels kind of good, you know. <laughs> we ended up buying a couple of them. We're like, these are great pillows, you know. And now with my six-year-old son, I'm like, you don't make fun of them, okay? They are really, really good pillows, okay? And you know, you cannot sleep on them. You can even wash these things. And I'm telling you, it made the huge, the biggest difference in in our lives. I had to repent of my of my mocking of the my pillow commercial, okay? So if you mock the guy on TV. Uh, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about, and you're just laughing because you're nice. But uh, <laughs> but but it makes a huge difference. But you think about it when you when you fall asleep in the wrong position, or you or you have some of you go to the chiropractor, you know, and you know you get out of sorts, you get things twisted, or you get you know uh, spinal columns that need to be readjusted. Uh, it's a world of difference when that when when that actually happens, and and sometimes there's a little pain getting back to normal, but it's like, whoo, feel like I can breathe again. Well, when we when we harbor these transgressions and iniquities in our heart, what they do is they distort us, um, they drain us, they isolate us, and, and it's kind of like kind of like that where they they get us off to where we cannot operate. We can function, we can kind of make it through life, we can kind of walk through in a in a in a in a contorted type of way, but we're not really freeing, and we got pain always. We always got this one spot in our back. We got a, you know, and 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 a lot of that comes from the fact that we're harboring stuff in our heart and our soul that God doesn't want us to, and He wants to free us of it. And we're we're afraid of the adjustment, right? We're afraid of of getting of, of the Lord getting His hands in there and actually kind of putting everything back together because it is going to be a little bit painful. But we have to trust that his grace and mercy is looking at you and looking at me and going, I don't want you to live like this, you know? I don't want you to live all, all contorted and, and, and messed up and whatnot. You, you've kind of made a protection for yourself, but it's really not. It's really not. It's really just harming you. And it's keeping you from doing all the other things. And it's also probably like ensuring that you're going to even make more and more mistakes as you go along. And so God's saying, why don't you come back to me? Let me strengthen you. 
the last thing the writer says that we're going to describe, he says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I've talked to a lot of <clears throat> church planters like, like Daniel and Stephanie. Uh, we planted in, uh, in Portland nine years ago. We live in Portland and uh, planted a church there and worked with planters there for many years. And um, I've talked to a lot of planters and a lot of people in our churches and my own self, and, and there's this sense of, man, I'm just too tired to, to serve. I don't have any energy, man. I got nothing to give. I'm just, I'm just not in a good place right now. You know, whatever, whatever it may be, I'm not mocking that. But um, a lot of times we don't have the, the energy is because our spirit is drained. Our soul is drained. We're trying so hard to kind of just get through because we're burdened by so many things that God wants us to release and to confess and to give over to him because they've isolated us. They've distorted us, and we spend all this energy going, ah, oh, I can't figure this out. So when somebody like Daniel or Will or whoever comes and says, hey, we need somebody to help out with this. We're like, oh, I just, I just can't right now. I just want space. Whatever. And a lot of it is because we're just so dragged down by all these other things. We have no freedom in our heart and our soul. We have no freedom in the depths of our life to be able to, watch this, be able to give to somebody else, to be able to, to spend time with somebody else who, yeah, maybe they're a little high maintenance, right? Weren't we all? <laughs> but, but a lot of times it's not because I'm just too tired. I'm too, it's because I've, I'm just... I'm holding on to much stuff. And my bones, as he writes, look at how he describes that. My bones were wasted away, groaning all day long. Your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like your strength was dried up? I mean, like every day. <laughs> you know, God doesn't want us to live that way. And it's not just about claiming this or, or claiming that or new past. Some of it's about releasing some stuff in our heart and confessing some things and allowing God to deal with us in some areas. And then he does something really amazing. Watch this. I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. And surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. What he's saying is, look, God is available for you. God, God, is, God is inviting you and me to come to him. The waters are going to come. The rush is going to happen. But when we're secure in the Lord, it's not that the waters don't come. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not that he moves you away from the rush. It's that when the rush comes, you will not be affected. You will not be moved. You will not be, you will not be changed. And he does that when you and I take the time to confess to him. I know for me, if there's a long time for me that I haven't spent time with the Lord in prayer and confession and, you know, just dealing with some stuff, you know, it takes some time. It takes some time for me to sit down and going, uh, Lord, you know? And I think one of the worst things we do as Christians 
in our private prayer time is when we sit down and just start rattling off, right? Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for this day, and I want to thank you for all the things you've done. And we just kind of go through this thing like, you don't talk to anybody else that way, right? We don't talk to any, we don't, you know, and we don't talk to anybody else in monologue, right? Like what I've been doing with you right now is monologue. Some of you are like, yeah, we know. <laughs> My wife is like, amen. Um, you don't talk to anybody like that. You don't just sit down and for 30 minutes straight, just you just talk. Well, some of you do. Probably shouldn't do that, you know. <laughs> but we do that with the Lord. We'll sit there and say, dear God, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for all this change in my life. God, I want to pray for that. And it's like we're just reading off some script somewhere. Instead of allowing ourselves to really settle down. <sighs> okay, God. Here's what's bothering me. God, I... I really messed this up. I was wrong. I've been wrong for a while. I know I need to fix this. What are you saying to me, Lord? And just pausing and letting him speak to us. Letting that still, small voice voice settle in and go, oh, yeah. And it's amazing when we settle down in that place. It's amazing when we begin to confess and we begin to walk away from the transgression and we begin to begin to say basically, yeah, that was wrong. That was a violation of, of law. I, I knew that. Try to make it out like it wasn't. But when the inequity, the, the iniquity, the, the distortion, we begin to go, you know, I don't, I'm not going to call it that anymore. I'm just going to call it what it is. It's, it's amazing the, the way that God begins to untangle the knots in our heart. He begins to untangle them and slowly kind of level them out. And then as the writer says, sins, blessed man whose sins are covered, whose sins are, are taken care of, whose sins have been dealt with. And he does that, and there's a freedom that comes. There's a sense where you can walk out and go, and you can, you know, when, when you've experienced that, you can confess things to people, not in some weird, awkward, you know, way, but you can just go to somebody and say, you know what, I, I, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I made you think you were the one that was wrong, but it was me. Say things to God that, you know, God, I know I've been acting like this was okay. It's not. I know it's not. I've been acting like I don't need, it. so whatever it is, and, but, when, but when we settle down and we're able to hear the voice of God and we're, we're able to sense that he's not looking to punish us. He's not looking to just smack you around. What he's looking to do is to, is to take that transgression and iniquity from you, off you, and to cover you, to unravel all that stuff and say, look, I don't want you to live this way. And we go, oh, <laughs> he really does have the best in mind for me. There's freedom that comes from that. This morning as we, as we wrap up, and we're going to have a time of, of, uh, of communion that you guys normally do, I, I pray that as you are celebrating and partaking of communion this morning, I pray that you understand that as we fast forward from Psalm 32 to the New Testament to the, to the, uh, the ordinance of, of uh, communion, understand that, that this worship that we practice here, this, this taking of the bread and, and the drink, you know, that was the, the ultimate price that he paid to be able to cover the transgressions that you and I deal with on a regular basis. And so for us to hold on to them is, is, uh, is, is silly, you know, because he's already taken care of it. 
He's already paid for it. Your freedom, watch this, your freedom is available. Your freedom is waiting for you through Christ and through what he's done. And so I pray that this morning that uh, you'll take advantage of that, that you'll really embrace that. Let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you today, and um, I pray, God, that as we, as we <clears throat> deal with this um, need for confession in our lives, not some sort of a, you know, beating ourselves up type thing or nothing like that, but just a simple and reverent acknowledgement <clears throat> that we need you, <clears throat> that we are, um, we're flawed people, we're sinful people, and we need you to cover us. We don't need to make excuses for what we do. We need to give that over to you, Lord. We don't need to start justifying the way where our lives are contorted and distorted and, and turned around and upside down. We need to actually surrender our lives to you and be different than the world and realize that, that your best life for us doesn't come through, um, through adjusting to the world. It comes through living holy and sanctified. That's, that's the unique thing about being a follower of Christ is that we live separate from the world. Father, I pray that we would do that today for our own sake, for the sake of the gospel, and for the sake of our love for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.